How you guys feeling? I missed you guys last week, man. I know, the snow, it was crazy. 13, 14 inches, was it? It's crazy. Man, nah, we really missed you. We just had to make a, a call beforehand the day, the day before just to be safe. Unfortunately, it didn't snow, uh, but, you know, it's all good. I hope you guys got some rest. Did anybody get a nice time of rest? Are you guys ready to get back to it tonight? We are still in our Firestarter series. Did anybody watch the Super Bowl? Wow, those are some mixed responses. So who enjoyed the Super Bowl? Wow. Wow. Is anybody a L.A. Rams fan in here? Okay. Okay. Hey, I respect it, you know. Uh, Patriots. Anybody a Patriots fan? Okay, we got some Patriots fans in the building. (laughs) Wow, you guys, y'all have some strong feelings about the Patriots. Look, I'm not even a super huge football fan. Um, The Super Bowl wasn't all that huge of a deal to me. But there is something special, I think, about somebody winning six championships in any sport. I'm not... Hate him or love him. I'm not a Tom Brady fan. I don't dislike him, but I'm not like his his biggest fan. Like I said, I'm not a huge football guy. But when I saw like, okay, this guy's won six championships. I always wonder, what is this person's process? What is this person's lifestyle? Wow. Wow. Look, I respect it. I respect it. However... I will say that no matter, no matter whether he's cheated, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that it is not easy to win six championships in the National Football League. It's not easy. Some people hate guys like that. Some people hate Floyd Mayweather. Some people hate Conor McGregor. These are guys who, those particular guys are super cocky. They're always talking crazy, but I have a special place in my heart for athletes like that. Why? Not because of their personalities or their lifestyles or the things that they do, but I have a special respect for the work they put in behind what they do. Floyd Mayweather, love him, hate him, he worked like crazy. Most of the time when you see somebody who's successful at what they do, way more successful than other people... It's because what they're doing behind the scenes is different than what other people are doing. So I started looking it up. I said, all right, I have to see how is Tom Brady behind the scenes? And I saw a couple things from a couple people. Brady's teammates say every practice is like a game because Brady is so intense. Former teammate described Brady's desire to win as a sickness. He wants to win so bad his teammates view it as a disease. It's crazy. He hired a psychologist to deal with the stress of being the seventh string quarterback when he first got to Michigan. Eventually, he won the job of first string quarterback, but he started as seventh string, not second string. 
not third, not fourth. How many strings are there? You might wonder. That's what I'm wondering. I did not know there were that many backups. You are the backup for 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 the backup. So bad that he had to hire a psychologist to deal with stress. Why? Because of the competitiveness in his heart. Nowadays, he goes to sleep at 8.30 p.m. every night. He said he goes to sleep so early because football is the only thing he loves to do. And all his decisions are designed to keep him playing at an age when most players retire. Love him or hate him. There's always something behind the scenes to even make you somebody that people know in order to love or hate. He's winning, and I can't help but respect that. I don't care about the New England Patriots. Personally, not a huge football fan, but I respect when somebody is dedicated enough to excel at what they do. Well, you might ask, what does that have to do with anything tonight. Y'all are like, bro, we don't like him. We don't, we didn't care about the Super Bowl. There were two million thousand hundred people in Atlanta. We're over the Super Bowl. Well, Paul said a little something about how athletes prepare in 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The message version says, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got, no sloppy living for me. I'm going to sleep at 8.30 p.m. every night. He does brain exercises at night so that he's able to go to sleep early and then wake up with no alarm. Tom Brady is obsessed with winning. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. So that brings us to the title of tonight's message, Play to Win. Otherwise, why are you in the game? For real. It says that everyone runs. When your life started, that was the gunshot for your race to begin. Are you running to win, or are you running aimlessly? It's a question to wrestle with. 
are you living your life in a way that shows you have a goal and a purpose and something you're striving for and willing to sacrifice for, willing to give something up for? Or are you just swayed every which way, living life for entertainment, for fun, playing around? I don't expect anybody in here to necessarily be a Super Bowl champion. If you want to, blessings to you. But there's something more important that's going on in life. And the reason that I study people's work ethic when I see them achieve something is because there's something that I want to achieve. But it's, it's a little different. So you might wonder, well, play to win what? How do we play to win? What are we trying to win? Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and prosper worship. You might wonder, you just said, how do we play to win? And then you read that. How does that describe a win? Well, he says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I would present to you that pleasing God is our ultimate win. You can do all the things you want in the world. You can use every talent you have. You can be Tom Brady and devote your life to winning Super Bowl championships and being the best football player in the world. However, what Paul says about running the race is that they run for a trophy that fades. We're running for something that's going to last forever. As Christians, Jesus says... Don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroys, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. It lasts forever. But we get so easily caught up in the day-to-day. And so I wanted to ask you guys, what is the win in your life right now? Not just what comes to your mind, but if I were to look at your life, what is it built around? Tom Brady said football is the only thing he loves to do. So he has designed his life around playing football as long as he can. I would say that living with Jesus is the only thing I love to do. And so I strive to design my life around doing that as long as I can. And he says that even when this body fades away, I will be living with him in eternity. So I design my life, I center my life around that reality. Not just around the job, not just around temporary achievements and accomplishments and building a resume, but building an eternal resume. I can look at Tom Brady's track record and be like, bro, you're killing it. Nonstop work. I mean, he's devoted everything. He's on a crazy diet, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year, 365 days he's on this diet. In the off season, he has scheduled naps. Scheduled naps. 
Why? Because he loves football. And so now he's over 40 years old, and he's actually faster than when he came out of college. He's faster at 40 than he was at 22 because of the way that he's designed his life. How many of you want to be doing better in life in 20 years? I do too, but there's a way to go about your life that's actually going to lead to that. And Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, y'all are my family, so this is important. I love you. I'm urging you, offer your bodies, the vehicle that God has given you to do life in, as a living sacrifice to God that's holy and pleasing We please God by giving everything for him, just like he gave everything for us. It's simple. We're playing to win. The win is pleasing God. God created us in his image just to have relationship with us. So why wouldn't we want to please him? When you're in a relationship, what's the goal? To please that other person? That other person is there to please you? That might have been different than some people. Some people might have been like, oh, I'm in this to please myself. It's real. That's how we're wired inside, just because of our sin nature. We're wired to do things for ourselves. So even something like this message is counterintuitive to say that the win is pleasing somebody else. I thought that the win was being happy, that the win was pleasing myself. Well, God created you, loves you, has the best plan for you, knows you better than you know yourself. So in pleasing him and aligning yourself with him and being in relationship with him, he's going to lead you in a life that will be most pleasing to you. But how many times do we try to take it into our own hands and say, nah, God, I'm, I'm not with it. I'm just going to do this on my own or that costs too much. Interesting story that I was thinking about when I was looking at Tom Brady's stuff. I never played football in high school. I was pretty athletic. The football coach asked me several times to be on the football team because he was also my gym coach. Y'all know how it works. So he saw me in gym, in PE, and we'd be playing like flag football and stuff. And he was like, man, you should come out for the team. Does anybody want to know why I did not play football? Wow. (laughs) That was not the case. Why I did not play football had nothing to do with my ability, but I saw in July and August, y'all need, y'all need to hear this, I saw that they were doing two-a-days in the middle of the summer. Oh, two practices in a day in the middle of the summer in Atlanta, Georgia, And I wasn't with it. So I didn't care what the end result was, what the outcome was. I did not want to put in that type of work. I probably would have been a good wrestler as well, because some of you guys might know, before I worked here, I actually worked at a mixed martial arts gym. Uh, I was a personal trainer and trained in kickboxing and boxing and all that stuff. 
When I got into jujitsu, I realized, wow, I would have been a good wrestler in high school. But you know why I didn't wrestle? Because I saw their workouts. And I was like, nah, bro, I'm not doing that. I'm not running that many miles. I'm not going through that torturous workout. And so I saw it in myself that I, and not, I don't think that that was my destiny in life, but to then contrast it with somebody like Tom Brady, who even at seventh string as a quarterback wanted it so bad that he would do anything. He went through the two-a-days. He went through the tough times. They were just talking about his last offseason uh, in the preseason and how when they were training and they were done with the practice and everybody was pretty much spent going to get water, he went on the other side of the field and just started planking. It's like, I need a stronger core. I don't care about being tired. That's crazy. But that's the type of intensity he has because he loves football. How many of you would say you love Jesus? Awesome. What type of intensity do you have? If I were to look at your life, would I say this person passionately loves Jesus? This, this person is willing to put the work in because it's not just rainbows and butterflies. This is real life. And Jesus says that he's come so that you will have life and have it to the full. But he also says in this world, you will have trouble. So many of us are letting the trouble in our lives take the intensity out of us. Somebody would let losing a couple football games take the intensity out of them. But Brady, hate him or love him, six championships, has won, has won a lot of games, lost a lot of games. What is down inside of you that's going to push you to keep fighting? Do you love Jesus? Because Brady will undeniably say he loves football. And you can look at his life and be like, that guy loves football. No doubt about it. Everything in his life is tailored to playing football as long as he can. Is everything in your life tailored to living for Jesus? Or are we doing this casually? Because Jesus did not do anything casually. He did what he was sent here to do, committed to it, and executed every day through uncomfortable circumstances, through people trashing his name, trashing his reputation, questioning him all the time, even though he was God. He didn't call down fire from heaven to kill people like most of us would have. Oh, you don't like me? Dead. That's how so many of us would do, but no. He said, oh, you don't like me? That's bad for you. I'm going to die. Help you with that. How many of us are living with an intensity? Like I said, I was a personal trainer before this, so I'm, I'm a little bit more in coach mode than pastor mode tonight. Why? Because our generation... We have so much life ahead of us, but we drag our feet so much. 
We say we want this and we want that. And then in the morning, when we have nonstop choices to make, our choices often do not reflect what we say we want. If he knew, if Tom Brady knew that not getting sleep would affect his ability to perform, and then he stayed up till 3 a.m. every night and woke up at 5, would that look like somebody who was committed to playing? In your life, if you say you want to be in this for the long haul, you want to be successful, you want a loving family, you want to raise healthy children, you want a healthy marriage, all these things, you want to be successful at your job, you want to make an impact in life, are your daily habits consistent with that desire? Does your diet match up? With that desire. <laughs> Some of y'all came off the fast and went straight back to fast food. You were fasting food, and now you're back to fast food. 21 days. That's all you dedicated. I've done it. I'm not just coming down on you. I'm... I'm I'm talking about myself too. But there's something that's on the inside of me that's tired of not doing some of the things that I say I want to do. There's something that's on the inside of me that wants an intensity because this life is gone like this. God says your life is like a mist here and then gone. And we drag our feet through this. You don't have time. Tom Brady knows that the average person will not be playing football into their 40s. But he's designed his life so that in his 40s, he's faster than he was in his 20s. That doesn't come from sitting around thinking about being good. That doesn't come from sitting around talking about being good. That comes from sitting down, putting together a plan, and putting the work in. And you might say, well, that sounds good, but living for Jesus is not that simple. You might say, how are we supposed to do that? Am I just supposed to pray more? Am I supposed to just read my Bible more? Am I supposed to just go out and evangelize more? And that's how I live an impactful life. I would say those things are a part of it. But it's just about giving him everything. Are you laying everything down? I, I can't get away from this. When I see people who are champions in a sport, I mean, there are millions of people who play football. And so few people who reach this level and you see the difference in how they conduct their lives. Everybody runs, not everybody wins. That's the Bible. So live your life in a way like you actually care about getting to the end and having something to show for it. I would say 
that a lot of times we hear only the strong survive. And so the, the thing that's different about this, about playing to win, about living for Jesus, it's not just about praying more, being stronger in prayer, reading the word and being stronger in that, being stronger in evangelizing. I would ask you to rewrite this only the strong survive to only the strong lay down their lives. It's really that simple. It's a high challenge, it's a high task to live your life in a way like you actually want to win. But with Jesus, it's very different because he just says, lay it, lay it down and I'll take care of it. Actually, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. So playing to win, laying your life down, offering everything. In, in that culture, everybody knew what a sacrifice was because they were used to making sacrifices. They would kill an animal and sacrifice it to God. For them, they had to kill something that was valuable to them. They had to take their best animal. And for them, that was a really big deal. It's like, just the best thing that you have. It's like, all right, you got however much money. Take the amount that means the most to you and just burn it. In this, it wasn't like they were giving an animal to charity. This is... The sacrifice thing is fascinating to me because it was literally giving it to God. It's, they couldn't benefit from it. They just had to completely give it to him. It's like here, you give your money and it goes to people in poverty and, and all these things. And we get to see the fruit of it. Them, they just had to give it up and see nothing. And just hope that God forgave them because there was still they were still under an old covenant where they were separated from God. We are living post-resurrection of Jesus. We have the opportunity to be in relationship with him, to have the Holy Spirit, to live with power and with purpose. And if we want to hear something from God, we can just ask him. So Paul is saying, offer yourselves. You don't have to offer animals anymore. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. There's nothing more important than that. And then God says, all you need to be purposeful, to have power, is my grace. All you need is me. I'll do it. I'll take care of it all. But it's the dedication. It's what we talked about earlier in the series, being ruthlessly or ruthlessly protecting your soul. So your lifestyle can be set up in a way where you're just going after the prize. So what you're watching, I'm gonna bring this up probably every message because it's so important, what you're taking in, what you're watching, what you're listening to. I was having a conversation backstage because somebody was asking me about my shoes. And like, you got like 10 pairs of off-whites. And I'm like, this is a great time to have a conversation with you to let you know why. 
Because it's not that I just spend a bunch of money on shoes. I don't pay resale for stuff. Let me tell you what was happening. Because he's 22. I'm 30. I said, you know what I was doing in between your age and my age? Not spending all my time watching movies, listening to music, entertaining myself. What I started doing was ingesting information. So I had a degree in marketing. I've always been interested in branding and marketing and stuff like that. So over these past few years, listening to podcasts, reading books on two sides. So from a business perspective, it was about branding, building businesses, leadership, marketing, all these things. And then on the other side, it was ministry, listening to the Bible, reading the Bible, listening to sermons, learning as much as I could. Last year, I started a branding consulting business. My first client was somebody running for Congress. My second client was a sneaker store. And I said, when they asked how much I was going to charge, I said, actually, we could do this in exchange <laughs> for some sneakers. And so when you see me up here in some fire, <laughs> it's because I chose to live different than some people. And then I had something valuable to present. Reading the same books that they could have read, listening to the same podcast that they could have listened to, but they didn't. And so then they have to pay me to get the information. And so if you want to live your life in a way that you have something valuable to present to God, you have to dedicate yourself to that. Dedicate yourself to him. Offer yourself. God, you can have everything. That's how I ended up here. I'm not saying all oh, you guys have to be pastors by any means. Most of you are not called to be pastors. That's okay. Every part of the body is needed. The fingers, the toes, the medulla oblongata. It's needed. You don't even know what the medulla is doing right now. But it's functioning. Doing what it's supposed to do. Staying in its lane. Doing its best. To keep you alive. How are you functioning in the body of Christ to keep the body of Christ alive? Are you dedicated to it? Does your life look like you actually want to have something to show for it? Is that your highest calling? My highest calling is pleasing God. That was not always what I viewed as my highest calling. I spent a lot of time in my life chasing other things, chasing money, chasing success, chasing all these things to get nothing that was fulfilling. And then finally was just like, all right, God, I've had enough. You can have it all. Fast forward, I'm living a satisfying life. Not a perfect life, a satisfying life and a life that I think will be pleasing to God. One of my top concerns, not a fear, because I don't plan to approach God in fear when my time is there. Because I'm saved by grace, covered by him, given his righteousness. However, one of my concerns is getting before him and him looking at my life with me, being like, all right, let's run the tape, Vance. 
So right there, um, you were the pastor of Fusion. I saw it, Firestarter, uh, graphic was fire. It was good, I liked it. But did you give everything? Did you give everything? Did you use everything that I gave you? That's the constant concern in my mind when I come out here to preach. What I tell myself backstage is I got to do this like it's my last. What would I tell them if it was the last thing that I could say to them? Because I might not be here tomorrow. You might not be here tomorrow. What would I say to you? I would say live with intensity for Jesus. Have something to show when you get in front of him. Because if he runs back his life when he came to earth, he's going to have a fire resume to show you nothing but devotion and dedication to his purpose, nothing but impact, sacrifice, love for the people around him. So what does living sacrificially look like? One, we seek God's purpose instead of our own. Jesus came to do what God sent him to do. Did you show up to do what God sent you to do? Do you understand that you're sent by God? He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. There's a responsibility on your hands. I don't know if some of you might not have even made the decision to follow Jesus. I would urge you to look into it, prioritize it, and make a decision. Some of you have made the decision to follow Jesus, but you might be living casually, just like, oh, I'm just going to get into heaven. What are you going to do when you get there? Have you thought about that? Jesus talks a lot about the eternal having eternal rewards, crowns, all these things. Do you want to get to heaven? Everybody getting crowns, robes, all this stuff, and you over here like, so y'all doing the crowns and stuff. Uh, I forgot y'all were doing that. Yeah, when I was living... I was not thinking about no crowns or robes or eternal rewards. And Jesus is like, I love you, brought you in here, got you a little apartment over here. Um, so one bedroom. No furniture yet. Um, I'm playing. But at the same time, have you thought about it? Eternal life, that means... Millions, billions times the amount of time you live here. Yet are you focused on how you live here? Or are you thinking about all the time you're going to spend there and what your lifestyle might be like? Have you thought about it? Because what's cool here, nobody's going to care about there. Nobody's going to care about these shoes. Nobody's going to care about these clothes. Nobody's going to care about how LED our screen was. Nobody's going to care about what kind of keyboard we had. 
When the person was playing the keyboard, what were they doing it for? That's the type of stuff that's going to be cared about when you get there. What was your motive? Where was your heart when you came to do these things? God searches the heart. Are you playing to win? Are you playing like it matters? Are you running the race like it matters? I know for me, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Are you even living your life like a servant? Are you living it like it's golden? (laughs) We seek God's purpose instead of our own. He has a plan that contributes to his eternal plan. He has a kingdom. Some of you are focused on being a Democrat or a Republican or independent or liberal, whatever. I had a friend of mine, I called, checked in how he was doing. He was like, man, it's crazy. You know, I've just been thinking, been doing some research, studying Jesus. I feel like Jesus was a socialist. (laughs) This is my boy, not even clowning him. But I was like, bro, uh, Jesus was concerned with a theocracy, a kingdom. He said the kingdom of God. Jesus is king. He is not reserved, relegated to your politics. He makes the rules. He sets the tone. He runs everything. He reigns. There is nobody in this place that will not at some point in existence bow their knee and confess that he's Lord. You will. Even if you don't now, you will. And if you say that he's Lord, does your life look like you're bowing down and saying he's Lord? Are you submitting that to him? If he's Lord, he's master. He's, he runs everything. What better king could you ask for? We have all these different religions in the world, and people talk about, well, Christianity is no different from this religion over here. They're all seeking peace. They're all seeking love. They're all making their way to the universe, the the God, whatever it is. The difference between all these religions could be summed up this way. Most religions view themselves as all climbing the same mountain to get to God. They do it different ways, but God is at the top of this mountain. They're all climbing up. Christianity is not a religion. It's the reality that God came down the mountain to where we are. He showed up. Where is Allah? I'm going to talk it like I believe it. Where is he? Jesus showed up. And it's documented. So many of us get caught up in this YouTube stuff. These documentaries completely unfounded information. There are theologians, scholars who devote their lives to studying this stuff that don't make the arguments some of these YouTubers make, like Jesus didn't exist. You sound ridiculous. The most educated people don't argue that. Of course he existed. We have well-documented evidence that Jesus came that people saw him, that he lived where they said he lived, 
that he was crucified on no charges, crucified innocently, didn't protest it, documented. Who do you know that's gone to, gone to jail with no charges? Even if they're innocent, no charges? They just yelled crucify him enough to where they just decided to do it? No charges. And then document, documented that people saw him afterwards. Some might call it a resurrection when you see a guy who was crucified and died walking around. That had never been done before. You can have myths, you can have stories, all this stuff. No documented history says somebody did it. You can say the story of Jesus was adapted from somewhere. Okay, where were they? Oh, in a story, oh, okay. Well, we have documented evidence that this person came lived life, was crucified innocently, then was seen afterwards by over 500 people. Are we living life like this is a reality? Will that not spark an intensity in you? That God of the universe showed up on earth for you? He could have wiped it out as many times as you've turned your back against him, as I've turned my back against him, as many times as I've said, God, I don't want to do that. Not feeling it. He could have been like, cool, done, and been completely right in doing so. If I start a business at any point, I don't care who's working there. If I say I want to close this business, do I not have the right? But God started your life, gave you your body, gave you your mind. Did you create it? No, you just showed up in it, gave it to you. You've disobeyed. You've sinned. There's a price for that because he's a just God. We say we want justice until we're the ones who have to pay. And then we want an annulment. We want it turned around. A just God is perfectly right in taking the life that he created and ending it at any time for any reason. Just like I could start a business and end it at any time for any reason and be perfectly just in doing that. How arrogant of us to feel like we have a right to this. How arrogant of us to not offer it back to him when it was given to us freely. What did you pay for your life? Jesus came and paid a bloody price for yours. Is it not worth giving it back to him? So the second point. We live a life of purity. That's what it looks like to be a living sacrifice. Purity, consecration, separation to him. Our world laughs at purity. It's a joke. It's not a joke to God. He's reigning. And what he said will come to pass. There will be a day where all this stuff is reconciled. All this stuff is fixed and everything is addressed. So everything that the world says is a joke, everything that the world says is a game, they're going to have to stand in front of the creator of the universe 
who not just created the universe, but then came down and paid for your life. And they're going to have to answer to him why they thought that it was a better idea not to give it to him. Why they felt like it was a better idea to not obey him. How do you think that's going to go? That's one of my concerns for people is God is not going to have to argue with you when you get in front of him. It's going to be an open and shut case. Either you have accepted what he's done freely. He's given you right standing with him. He's given you righteousness through his son, Jesus. All you have to do is believe, receive, and then walk in life that way. Dedicate your life to it. Is it not worth it? But he's a just God. And so he's not going to circumvent his own rules. He didn't before and he won't now. That's why he came. He created man and there was already a law set in place. There were laws set in place. Disobedience, the consequence was death. The wages of sin is death, says it in the Bible. So he said, okay, I'm just, so I'm not going to change that. I'm going to come and pay the price for them so they don't have to die. And then some people are going to have to answer why they didn't accept that, why they didn't receive it. And it's not going to be a pretty argument. It won't be an argument at all. That's, that's what I think is most concerning for me is the fact that people are going to stand in front of him. And it's not that he's just going to, like, crush you with this argument. I think it's just going to crush you when you see how plainly you've done this to yourself. When I look back at my life, I look at, wow, if I would have died at this point in my life, I would have stood before God in nothing but shame. I wouldn't be mad at him. I'd feel dumb. Like, wow, this was all me. I chose this because I thought I had more time. And I didn't know if it was that serious. I didn't know if you were really who you said you were. So we live a life of purity because it's important. That's what he desires from us. That's what he came and modeled for us. That's who he is. He made us in his image. And we can choose to veer from that image. But why would you want to? Why would you not want to please God? We live a life of purity. The third thing is we live a life to serve others. That's what he came and modeled for us. That's what Jesus came and did. He endured crazy hardship just to serve us, to pay the price for us, just so we could have a relationship with God. In Isaiah 53, I want to read this because it illustrates what Jesus came and did. This is around 700 BC that this is written, seven to 800 years before Jesus actually showed up on earth and his life is written out. And then he came and lived out everything, which is wild. But God gives this prophecy. He says, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. This is about Jesus. Nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. 
And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. How many of you guys can say that about your life? But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. He bore bore the sins of many, that's us. Interceded for rebels, that's us who have rebelled against God. He came, dedicated himself to the purposes of God, went through grief, went through sorrow, went through anguish because of what we've done. But continued to look forward to the joy that was set before him, knowing that he would be glorified again. Left heaven to come to earth to experience that. No other book has prophecies like this that were fulfilled. This is 700 B.C., And then Jesus came and lived that life. That was said before Jesus even existed. Then he came and did it. Open and shut case. For the joy that was set before him, he endured all these things. Life is going to be challenging. There's going to be grief in moments. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be great times. There's going to be sorrowful times in this world, in this physical life. But there is a joy that is set before you when you believe in Jesus, when you receive him, when you receive what he did right there. He came and went through every grief imaginable so that you could ultimately live a life with him free from grief in eternity. So in this series, Firestarter, We've been talking about the fire of God, the spirit of God consuming us and staying on fire for him. Staying lit. Because it's not just about how you start, it's about how you finish. Tom Brady started seventh string quarterback in college, then was drafted in the sixth round to the NFL. Now has six championships. If you would have counted where he was when he started and judged him by that, 
that would be crazy. You see him now, six championships later, after dedicating himself to this, he has something to show for it. You can have something to show for it as well. Last scripture I want to read in Leviticus 6.12. This is God talking to the priests about the fire in his temple. And I thought it related so well to what we're doing. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. The fire in your life must be kept burning. That, doesn't, that means it doesn't burn by itself. You have to keep it burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire, burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. The fire in your life must not go out. The good thing is, it doesn't even have to burn for that long. This life we have here is short. You just have to stay on fire, stay dedicated one day at a time. He says every morning. He doesn't say every year, every morning. The priest has to come in and add the firewood. There's fuel that God's given you, his word, prayer, communing with him, connecting with him. That is the wood that keeps the fire burning. It's not just a task to do. It keeps the fire burning. You can keep your fire burning, but play to win. That's what Tom Brady does. That's why I respect it. In bed, 8.30 every night, up early without an alarm clock. Why? Because he's playing to win and keeps the fire burning every single day. You can do that in your life. You don't have to be a superstar. It says in the kingdom of heaven, the first will be last and the last will be first. You don't need status here. You need commitment, dedication. That's all you need. It says, God says my grace is sufficient. He'll give you the power. He'll give you the strength. I know it's difficult. We go through hard times. Sometimes it feels like you're getting beat over the head in life. I feel the same way. It's not easy doing this. The enemy knows that the word of God is powerful and it will transform lives. So when I step up here to deliver the word of God, there's an impact that's happening that the enemy does not want to have. So there's going to be a battle in life. But I'm playing to win. I know there's opposition, but there can't be overcoming without opposition. There can't be triumph without trials. Jesus says the victory is ours. So tonight, as we close out, worship team, come out. Oh, you guys are already out here. Okay. Well, (laughs) we're just going to sing to God. I want you guys to just marinate on this. This is the word of God where he's telling you run like somebody who's running to win. You can live a life of purpose, of significance, of impact. Your success is all about what you're doing in the kingdom and it's already been set out for you. He said he knew it before you were born. He creates the purpose before he creates the person. 
We talked about this. He created your purpose before he created you. So, of course, he wants you to live it out. You can do it. This is the coach in me. You can do it. Put the work in. Every morning, fuel yourself. Pray to God. Dedicate that day to God. You don't know how many days you have left. Some of you guys are so focused on 40 years from now that you don't focus on the next 40 minutes of your life. And you waste 40 days. And you can waste 40 years thinking about the next 40 years. You don't know if you have tomorrow. Make the most of this moment. If you've talked about coming down to the altar before, if you've talked about giving your life to Jesus before, but haven't made the step, tomorrow is not promised. What is promised is that you will meet Jesus. So prioritize that. So everybody, you would just rise to your feet. I want to pray, and then we're just going to go in and worship. Lord, thank you so much for bringing us here, Lord. Thank you for keeping us alive, Lord. I thank you that nobody came here tonight by accident. There are no coincidences. You have ordained our lives, ordered our steps. You desire for us to be in relationship with you and to live our lives in a way that is significant. So, Lord, we lay down our lives for you. We offer ourselves as a sacrifice to you. We dedicate ourselves to you. We will pursue your purpose. We will live in purity and we will live to serve others just like your son came and endured just so others could benefit. Lord, we thank you that there are eternal rewards for that lifestyle, Lord, that you don't ask us to do anything in vain, but that the prize that you have for us will last Thank you that you're such a God that you would even give us rewards for doing what we're supposed to do. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And we're about to go in for you and stay lit in Jesus' name. Amen.